He's got to be pleased with that. The crowd is just on his feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Uh, tears in his eyes, I guess, as he, as he lines up this last shot. He's got about 195 yards left. This crowd is going deadly silent. Cinderella story. Out of nowhere. Before a great keeper now. About to become the Masters champion. <clears throat> it looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole! It's in the hole! Welcome to week 70 of a Good Talk Spoiled Golf Podcast. I'm James Richardson and I'm glad to be back on the Golf Podcast. I'm joined this week by Barry O'Hanrahan. Hey Barry. Hey James, good to have you back. Thank you very much. Uh, No Will Griffith this week. Uh, He's off uh, doing a bit of prep for various golf tournaments that's happening over the next few days. Yeah, I think he's playing on average more than one round a day this week. He's got practices for this, practices for that, inter-club, intra-club match plays. But it's all going quite well. They uh, they won the match in the quarter in the the round before the quarterfinals. The uh, last sixteen. That'll be the round of the last sixteen. Yeah, um, in the Metro Cup, which is a singles match play for kind of handicaps nine and above. So we're into the quarterfinals of that, which is pretty good for us. We're having a pretty good season as a club in in the match play matches. Neither of us are involved in them, unfortunately. But, no, for um, various reasons. Yeah. Sure. Oh yeah, so um, um, you haven't had a chance to play too much golf recently with the busyness of getting married, wedding... Uh, yeah, well, uh, between, I suppose, for people who, who might not have realised, uh, my father unfortunately went into hospital five five weeks ago and came out three days before my wedding, which um, kind of put pay to both podcast, golf and yeah. generally everything. But He's on the men now, which is good. He is, and... Uh, just back from the honeymoon, which is great. So uh, back to the podcast, back to golf, and uh, now I can look forward to the season ahead, which really kicks off for me now rather than than previously. But I suppose just before we get into all of that, if anybody wants to get in contact with us, the Twitter handle, which is still the same since I left, which is at Golf Podcast GTS. No, it's not. It's at Podcast GTS. Why? What did I say? At Golf Podcast GTS. Sorry, well, at Podcast GTS. There we go. Yeah, uh, and uh, a good talk spoiled at gmail dot com. Um, get in touch with any views or opinions you have on the show and we will certainly have a, a read of them and look at anything that you want us to have a look at on any future programs. Um, as you all know, I've not played a huge amount. I played a couple of weeks ago, did all right, um, but I've been not playing and the wind has been up since. And uh, yeah. you played the vice captain's Pat Doyle's uh, competition at the weekend, which is another golfer of the year event. Yeah, and in a nice change from the usual. We used to have it as a V-Par tournament, which is match play against the course, and everyone mm. knows the course is a soulless, uh, poker-faced opponent, and um, you can't psych him out or hope for a bad shot from the course, so it's it's pretty brutal format. It was strokes this year. Um, the wins were very strong on Saturday, so the winning score was level par 71 net. The standard scratch was three shots above, was 74. I had a 76. I had one double bogey. I think it was three three or four bars and everything else was a bogey. So I actually played okay. It's a tricky enough day. Like the pins were kind of in the parts of the green that you just couldn't go at because of the wind direction. So you kind of just had to hit to the middle of the green and then just try and make your putts from there. So look, I was happy enough. I hadn't played in two weeks. Um, struck the ball reasonably well. Put it okay. Um, not a bad first game back after two weeks off. So 
Um, I'm really excited about getting my new three wood from four yeah, golf. Yeah, you went down to four golf. You were saying mm. this last week that you were planning on going down. You went down. Went you down. got uh, got sorted out with the lads down in four golf. Yeah. And, so uh, we'd what have they sorted you out with? Speaking of Twitter, with a few few people getting in t- contact with us who are excited, you know, interested to hear about four golf and what what I have on the way from them. So after I did an hour down there with Dave, it was was punishing to say the least because it was all woods and there was you know you're making full swings i think my driver swing is up around 110 miles an hour so you're doing that like non-stop for an hour you're getting pretty tired it was pretty tired afterwards so end result was we wanted to fill the gap between my three iron and my driver um we discussed putting in a hybrid or not and i i my thoughts were i'd like something around a three or a four wood and i think that would bridge the gap fine and maybe during the wind drop buy a hybrid and I could swap out the three iron and put the hybrid in, um, and then ultimately look at the wedge sets. But so we settled on a three wood, which is the R15 three wood, 16 and a half degree. And the reason we went for that is because um, I was hitting it nicely off the face. I liked the feel and the sound of it, but also the adjustability of it allowed for if my swing kind of developed a slight left to right tendency or right to left tendency because it's not it's not a pro swing, so it's going to change mm-hmm. and morph over time. So. And, de- and also depending on the conditions of the day, I can then change the the loft of the club very easily in addition to the draw or fade bias on it. So all, all told, this was the best head for me. And um, went through a lot of shafts, a lot of shafts, just to try find the most stable one and the right weight and balance and kick point and everything. And the end result was I'm going for the three wood. It's an Aldila Alpha 70 gram stiff shaft. And this was producing the... The kind of the tightest dispersion, which is what I wanted. I said, Dave, I don't care about distance. I don't really suffer for, you know, I don't look for distance. You know, I have I have natural distance, which is great. So I just said, I want accuracy. So this is what we went with. And I'm also going to get then with the shaft and my driver upgraded to match that. So it's the Aldila Alpha 60 gram stiff. So I have the two of them in there and we're ready to rock for Karn, which is really wanted to have these ready for that, the Pro-Am next week. Do you think... You haven't had a three wood. I don't think I can ever think of you having a, any other wood than a driver and then to the three iron. Yeah, and in fact, seven you spent a ago. lot of time when we started playing golf together just using the three iron. You never even hit the driver. You just hit three yeah. iron off the tee constantly. But do you think that if it, do you, do you think that three wood will end up being your go-to driver in effect that, that you'll use that more often to get the accuracy off the tee rather than necessarily Wanting the extra 10, 15, 20 yards. Yeah, yeah, and no, I certainly think it's going to help my planning on how to play a golf course. You know, part four is that I don't need to take a driver. I can just get the, take the three wood and just have that extra, not assurance, but that extra percentage chance that I will get in the fairway by using three wood versus the driver. Like I was hitting at really good distances. It was going 240, 245 into a little bit of a breeze that day. So, you know, it's. <laughs> It's very, very good, usable club. And we, I, we will put the caveat that usually off the mats, they do go further. Oh, they as do, well. yeah, of and, course. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, so um, out yeah, on the real world, it point, might, be, yeah. uh, but, might be slightly less than that, but it's it's still plenty long. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. And if, you know, where most people are hitting their drivers, yeah, and, you can hit your three wood. And if I can get my swing tightened up a bit better and make it more efficient, then, you know, of course, the distance I go up, so... Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. It's it's a it's a great club to have. I think it'll be very versatile, and I found it extremely easy to hit and get it. You know, good 
get it into the air nicely and I was able to shape it right to left and left to right. So that's, well, that, that's the one thing I find with my three wood. Yeah. Um, because I have a three wood and the hybrid, but I, what I love about the three wood is I can actually shape it much easier because I don't mm. have a natural right to left yeah. shot. Mine's more left to right. So the draw is something that I struggle with. But with the three wood, at least I have a, a better chance in doing it with that club than uh, than otherwise. So yeah, with that little extra loft, it helps you get that turn around the corner. Yeah, so you see the pros do that a lot. So it's it's um, the the one little similarity we might have then that we have a club in the bag that can do the same thing as they do. Whether well, we in theory, or not, in theory, yeah, in theory. In theory yeah. uh, so I'm really excited. I think I'm gonna should be picking them up on Friday. So uh, as soon as I pick them up, I'll fire out a tweet on the on the Twitter account. Oh yeah, do and uh, we're we're out early on on Saturday, which is great. I'm looking forward to getting back out. I've been itching all week. Yeah, the greens were um, nice last week. They weren't too fast. They couldn't be because of the wind, but they were rolling very very smoothly. Yeah, so. like I've just been itching because of the, the the two previous weeks when I did play, it was two stroke competitions. I had a 69 and a 71, and I played really well. Yeah, and then all of a sudden it was snapped away from me. So hopefully I go back. I'll get anyway, starting yeah, in that place. We, won't, well, we might do we'll talk a little bit about it now because next week is the US Open preview. So we're go off to a pro-am in the west of Ireland in Mayo in Belmullet on Corn Golf Links next week. So we're heading off on Thursday, practice round Friday, and then it's a two-round pro-am, which is really cool. You, know, you get to go off in the morning one day and the afternoon the next day. So and as, as anyone who listens to the show regularly knows, this is one of our favourite courses in the whole world. Yeah, and, and I have to say, just I suppose if nobody's ever played a Pro-Am, it's something that I think every golfer should try and do. It's so um, much fun. Because we played the first year. I played actually the year before you yes. played uh, with your father and it was just such good fun. But just turning up and you have the official starter and you have behind... In Carn, anyway, they have the leaderboard that's mm. set up behind the first tee box and 18th green, and it just the whole atmosphere of the place. And you know, there's big names like Philip Walton plays great, uh, um, Jamie uh, Damien McGrain, you know, and a lot of very high end Irish tour players, yeah, that are kind of trying to make it out of the club. And, and a few of them the, have played in the Irish Open there yeah. just recently, qualified through the Irish PGA Regions Tour to play the Irish Open. So yeah, it's... it's uh, and guys who are going to the likes of the British Open qualifiers mm. trying to get on, you know, so there's real high quality of, of pros and it's just, there's something about play. And I think we all up our game a bit when we have oh, the pro, you know, gosh. like I was looking back at last year's results and like I think all of us shot probably far better than we would if we oh. had been there ourselves. Yeah, you know? yeah, there was, the, there was some really good golf. I mean, it's, it's amazing how... The playing with a pro, it's such a calming influence in your golf swing, and it, it focuses your mind even better, you know, even more, and it just brings you up a level. Playing with somebody that good brings your game up a level naturally. Doesn't but it, it also it gives you the ability to where the pro will come over and say, "Now, what are you thinking?" And you're going, "Well, yeah. I'm going to hit, I'm going to hit the hybrid." And they're yeah. like, "Downhill light, think it's best if you take a seven iron." Yeah, and you start learning and. It isn't. It isn't cheap. I think down in Carn, it's about 180 odd euros now for what you get. It's mm-hmm. good value, but actually, if you think what you'd pay for a pro, you know a couple of rounds with a pro on a on a teaching lesson, oh, you pay that for one would, round exactly, and and you're getting two or three rounds, yeah. and you're getting to see how a pro plays, and and so much you can take to your own game. So it's, yeah, and I mean it's, it's a great weekend away at the lads, and down in Belmont is such a great town. It's right on. It's literally. On the edge of Ireland, and I, and the Atlantic and, Ocean, and I think it's only fair to say that I have to give a shout out to my now wife, who's who's accepted 
that uh, she's going to be a golf widow after only two weeks of marriage, which uh, which yeah. was was hard fought, but we got there. We'll, we'll light a candle for her, <laughs> uh, <laughs> or drink, I think drink a pint for I, her down there. I think she has a girls' weekend plan, so that's that's fine. Everyone's a winner. Um, going on to the news, we have NBC Sports have made an announcement this week that they're going to broadcast the Open Championship from 2017. It's a uh, 12 year agreement with the RNA. It's um, a bit of money involved in this. Uh, it's it's kind of building up a fairly large stable for uh, the NBC coverage. It's a big package, isn't it? I mean, they got they don't just get the open like they they're going to live broadcast the open for the first time in a while now in the states, which is brilliant for the Open Championship. But they get the Senior Open, the Amateur Championship, the Women's British Open, uh, the Walker Cup, the Curtis Cup, um, when those events are hosted by the RNA and the Ladies Golf Union of England, so or of the UK, I think. It's it's a big deal, and you know, uh, it's great great for golf over here. And another another little kind of step or bump up for links golf. More links golf getting onto the TV screens in the states. You know, the Irish Open last week. There's mumblings of having a, a links swing on the European Tour. And well, we've said it for enough times. We know, have been like... championing this for a long time now, and I think it's about time the RNA just came and talked to us about how we should do it. You know. Well, I uh, think I think the interesting thing about this is, and when I saw this today, was actually um, this is also I think the year or the the year after the Sky Sports deal kicks in, and it will no longer be on the BBC. Which probably means there'll be a lot of internet usage <laughs> where people will be watching from mm. England and Ireland yeah. will be getting it kind of free through the internet rather via NBC. We uh, went free. <laughs> uh, well, whichever yeah. way, uh, we wouldn't encourage that. But uh, it's great for the RNA. It's more money into the pocket, and it, it does drop down to, to the grassroots, which is great. And um, talking about grassroots, and uh, you were you were pointing this out to me, Barry, um, that there's a new European Challenge Tour event that's going to take place in Ireland uh, in October between the eighth and eleventh. Uh, what's this all about? This is really cool. So the European Challenge Tour is the tour level just below the Euro- main European Tour. Um, we Ireland as an island has a has an event there in the Northern Irish Open in Galgarham Castle, which took place last year. It's also taking place again this year in August sixth and ninth. So this is a great. This is another one to have. Two events on this on the European Challenge Tour in Ireland is just great. You know, it's not. You know, the money's not huge in comparison to the main tour, but it's quite high profile. You know, it's a second level tour. It's the equivalent of the Web dot com in the states. Mm. So, and this is quite a prestigious time of year for us to get this because it's the fourth last event of the Challenge Tour season. So it's kind of right coming down to the final. You know, the finals, and you know, when the guys are hunting their cars, and and so it's great. And the Owners of Mount, um, the owners of Mount Wolsey also own, own Mount Judith, and they've committed to hosting the event through 2017. And the great thing is that everybody golf in Ireland has got on board with this. So the Confederation of Golf in Ireland, which is the body of all the unions mm. and the Irish Sports Council, are supporting the event as well. So it's just it's a huge win for golf in Ireland. It just seems everything's going uh, coming up roses for us in here at the moment with the you know the Irish Open there recently it's it's just all it's all great at the moment was this one of the events uh, on the challenge tour that was held in um Conqueror Wood at one stage i think they that was uh, a PGA Euro Pro Tour event okay yeah. that's that's obviously a different uh, different, that's, different different level that's the next level down from the challenge tour gotcha. uh, well sorry there's a few of them at that level you've got like the Alps tour the Euro Pro tour but it's you know, they're, they're, so all, it's, 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 they're all seeds to the you know seeding grounds to the next level up. But also, it's it's where you see the future 
Tigers in the future, Rory's, and it's yeah. also where you see some of the older players who perhaps have come off the tour who exactly. need to get the, the tour card back. Like we've seen quite a lot of the Irish guys mm-hmm. last year lose the card. They're obviously trying to get it back through this process. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's going to be an interesting event. And also some of those smaller events, you know, you get to get much more close to the players. Yeah. You get to see them. You get, you know, the crowds won't be as big. Um, but hopefully we'll, we'll do ourselves to... proud and, and a lot of people will turn up and, and watch it. I know the Euro Pro Tour in Conquer Wood last year, I think it was free entry into it. So you could be there walking beside pros who are, you know... Look, at this at that level of the game, these guys are that good that you know it's only one or two percent in the mental difference, or you know, or a, a lucky break here or there that separates these guys from the guys who are out in the main tours. So you're watching unbelievably talented athletes to you know playing playing golf for free, and you're getting really up close, um, an up close look at them as well. So it's just. Like, it's just amazing. It's brilliant. Golf, golf in Ireland is just winning at the moment. No, I, I think uh, it's a lot of and last, and hopefully more success as we go for go forward. And the great thing is, it's 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 exposure. It's showing what we have as mm. a product here because, in my view, it's it's the best in the world. You know, we have some great links. You know, the world's best links. Yeah, and we also have some great parkland, so we get to see both sides. Mm-hmm. And the more exposure, the better for for for. Speaking of exposure, CNN came over and did a thing on golf in Ireland. Like they met Patrick Harrington up in Dunleary Golf. I think it was Dunleary Golf Club. Or sorry, it was in Stackstown. They did it with him. So his, Shane, home, his original, yeah, his original home course. course. Yeah, so Shane O'Donoghue from CNN did a piece with Patrick. And then they went out to the West, so they went to Enniscrone and Connemara and Carn, And they you know did a little golfing trip of all the courses. And he talked about golf there. So then CNN broadcast into... 180 countries so that show went all over the world showing golf in Ireland so it's it's just great oh well if, if anybody has out there any any golf courses in Ireland hidden gems you mm. know outside of the usual you know your your kind of your big ones like your Mount Juliet or your European or the K Club if anybody has that little hidden gem yeah, yeah. you know get onto get onto us at podcast GTS so uh, you know we we might do a little kind of bucket list of kind of what people kind of are suggesting little hidden gems around Ireland that we might be able to get to. The ones you just don't know about until, yeah, the, the locals just kind of almost keep them quiet because yeah, it's just, it's nice well, well, like, like, like Carn, you know, I didn't know anything really about Carn until we yeah. got there and it's, you know, to me it's one of the best, you know, so there's yeah. got to be little great golf courses out there. I can, I can think of two or three off the top of my yeah. head, but, you know, if anybody has any, you know, of their own courses or any local courses, at podcast GTS, and we're happy to kind of keep it quiet first before you know as we go play it. And yeah, then, private, and then, private yeah, message yeah. us or whatever yeah, you can do exactly. on, on Twitter. And um, so I suppose uh, looking back on the week that was, um, we had over in the LPGA tour was the Manulife LPGA Classic in the Whistle Bear Golf Club in Cambridge, Ontario, in Canada. Uh, this was Indy Park was defending, and uh, it was all Suzanne Pedersen really in the end. Uh, Barry, did you get any look at this? Or I got to see the, the highlights on the LPGA website. Uh, didn't see any of the golf during the event. But, um, Suzanne Pedersen was very impressive, winning by one shot from Brittany Lang. She was 22 under for the event, so it was a, a real shootout. And one thing one thing is quite interesting, you know, this talk of coaches this and coaches that, everyone with the whole Tiger Woods thing at the moment and his round, which we'll get in Memorial, which we'll get onto in a little bit. But um, she started working with Butch Harmon in December. So she had a chat with Darren Clark and another pro a little bit before that and was asking them, you know, about Butch and what, and what, you know, what they thought about it. 
and they're like, oh yeah, go for it. So she rang Butch, and Butch doesn't take on an awful lot of people, as we all know. But um, he still hasn't replied to my email. <laughs> <laughs> Son of a bitch! You might need to send a suitcase, a suitcase of cash. To no, I told him I'd send oh. him a check with all my twos money at the end of the season, <laughs> like he does with the pros. That's and your fine. GY vouchers, right? Uh, yeah. Hold off on that now. <laughs> so this was her first victory since the relationship began in December. Um, to quote Suzanne, she says, "I have only good things to say about Butch. He's been a great inspiration to me to take my game to a new level. He definitely has the belief." And he's no sugar coater. He gives me what I need every single time, and what we've done so far is good. This is hopefully just a start. So, I mean, she, her, her main, go- her huge, go- huge goal for her is to get to number one in the world, and she's got to number two in the world behind I think four different girls, and by fractions of a point on on different occasions. So, this this could be the thing to trigger her going into the stratosphere and getting that number one spot and. And winning more majors, like she only has two majors, but she's super talented golfer. But like at the end of the day, in my view, Butch is the best out there. Yeah. And if you want to be the best, he's like I, I will come on to him, and you know all the rest. But, but you're Ricky Fowler, you know. Like it's you look at you look story. at the guys, you know, and and to me, it, it only makes sense for Suzanne Patterson to go, and um, you know, and if he's willing to take people on, why would you not? Mm-hmm. Like he is, he's the best in the business. I I just think that. Uh, all, all of his uh, and just, you know the the Harmons Inc. Yeah. are are just just the business. But Cla- Claude's great on Sky Sports. I really enjoy his analysis on Sky Sports. He's, um, uh, he's getting better and better every week. No, and I think uh, I suppose uh, Suzanne Pedersen, uh, Swedish. I think isn't that right? She is Norwegian. Norwegian, close enough. In, in the right area of the world. Well, I was yeah. going to do a segue into the. You, you the, set yourself up. You know, just but it just it. didn't work. Just it, yeah. uh, so the Nordia Masters <laughs> in Sweden, not Norway, yeah. uh, took place this week. Um, it was really uh, Alex Nor- Noreen. Noren. 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 Um, sealed his second Nordia Masters in some style on Sunday, carding a final round 71 to win by four shots. At the PGA Sweden National, uh, after beginning his final round with a birdie on the par five first, the winner of the event in 2011 bogeyed the second and was two shots overnight lead was halved. But he uh, he held it together and uh, it was a pretty impressive. Uh, his final victory. round was really solid. Like it just there was no messing around. He, he had a couple of stunning shots. Like the one on the ninth was just a brute of a shot. It was so intimidating. There was all sorts of trouble. Um, hanging around and he just he hit it you know in, inside 15 foot and he, he said that was one of the crucial shots of the round but very solid all the way through and didn't really give the rest of them a look in to try catch him at all and um, br- brilliant to see him come back because he had he's here in a major he was on a medical extension this year he started the season with a medical extension he had tendonitis in both his wrists last year so they got you know, all the commentators Will gets that every so often <laughs> Uh, yes, um, he very <laughs> well. That, was, that was not in the script, James. <laughs> That's not so, the script. Um, but no, think... but they were all saying like it's, it's so hard to build up the trust to be able to really attack the golf ball, and you know, knowing that your club's going to connect to the ground, and you're going to get it, the feedback up from the club, and it can go through your wrist, and you just and if you got a dodgy lie, you don't know whether your body's going to be able to hold up to those situations. So it's really good to see him come back. And he's a super talented golfer. And the thing is that, you know, you hear a lot of the guys like Tiger a couple of weeks ago when he hit the, the branch of the tree, and, mm. you know, and he, he popped out the, the bone and all the rest. They then start thinking about it. You know, if it's in the hands, if, yeah. you know, you, we talk about Phil and we hear Phil talk about, you know, his, his issues. 
and that's that's the thing when you start talking about the hands for golfers it gets into the psyche of them yeah and yeah. it's always very hard for them to commit 100% to whatever shot they're going to hit I mean we know yeah we know we know ourselves you know if you've got anything kind of niggling at you it does it, it puts that doubt in your mind or you know it puts that kink in your swing and just just throws you off balance and it's just really hard to get over it. You, and you need to feel almost 110% fit in, in in that injury or what was previously the injury to, to be able to commit to hitting shots again full power there's, there's a few names on the leaderboard um, and because I've been out for the last while mm. I've been looking at it and just it, it's interesting to see a couple of the names just constantly seem to be around at the moment yeah. you know Alexander uh, Levy, uh, like Levy, he just, yeah. Levy like he's he just always seems to be there or thereabouts um, he's been doing that a lot this season uh, very impressive season I'm sure he's got another win just just around the corner. I mean, Soren Kelson, I, I gotta give a mention to him, like, you know, winner of the Irish Open in brutal conditions, um, the week before. Seems to just love windy conditions because he went up to Malmo in Sweden, wind again, and off he goes and finishes solo second. Well, it's, and, and again, it's, it was impressive, you know, if, if the winner 71 was impressive, his 71 has to be equally impressive. Yeah. Not enough to, to, to bridge the gap. Because of the mental fatigue of yeah, the win like, the week before. You know, a lot of people, they go on the booze, they go on the celebrations, and then all of a sudden mm. they, they go and win it, and then it's another four or five weeks before you ever see them in the top 25 or yes, top 10. Yes. And top, you know, it's great to see. But like, you know, Jonas Blix, again, you know, he was there. there Max like, Kiefer was there the week before in the Irish Open. Uh, he's playing very well this year. When I was on um, the No Laying Up podcast, Chris put me on the spot and asked, you know, do I have any up and coming European tour golfers? So I kind of scanned through the uh, scanned through the list of the, the runners that week, and he his name has, po- has popped its head up as um, one of those really good golfers. And I gave the name out uh, before the Irish Open. So after I think the first round, he was leader or joint leader, and so I texted Chris. I was like, "Ask, you know, ask for the golfer and deliver it. He's leading the Irish Open." He was just laughing, but he's been on a great run since. And um, really, to be honest, that was a story about how great you are, isn't it? It was a story about my lucky pitch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. because so when you shoot I, a dart in the board, I think I threw out about three or four other ones. <laughs> um, but anyway, no, it's good. Good to see a very talented golfer. I'm sure, he's got that win. He's, he's got these getting the Sunday experience under his belt. You know, he had a 75 there this week and he, you know, he's finished six shots back and you know, on a tough final day. But he's getting in the hunt enough times on Sunday. And that's, you know, they, they, you always hear the pros say, like, put yourself in that position enough times, you will eventually you get gotta, over the you line. You've got to keep knocking on the door. Um, but it does seem to be the cream at the moment seems to be constantly in that top 10, top 15. You know, the, there's the very usual names are yeah. popping up. It's not... Oh, there's another odd name who's just won. You know, they're constantly. There's a lot of good golfers that seem to be really elevating themselves. Mm. Stenson had an iffy week this week, but I think he's. I think his mind is all on the U.S. Open next week. And is all your money on the U.S. Open? I haven't put any money down the U.S. Open yet. I'm formulating my strategy. But you haven't gone all in on uh, on Henrik Stenson. Not like the Masters, no. Well, I suppose if you put your hand in the fire and you get burned, you might uh, not do it a second time. Yeah, a little bit of sting, but uh, yeah, sure. Look, I'll worry about my betting on the US Open next week. Let's go stateside, uh, because I I think we have a lot to talk about here. Mm. And uh, this, I suppose, was Jack's tournament. It was the Memorial Tournament presented by Nationwide in in Murrayfield Village. um, Murrayfield? That's a, that's a rugby ground, Muirfield. Muirfield, close enough. Yeah. Uh, welcome back to the podcast, James. <laughs> uh, in Dublin, Ohio, and uh, David Lindermith. Uh, I'm going to let that one hang. 
Lingmurth. Yeah, yeah, Lingmurth. Okay, yeah, second time's a charm. This is, um, this is like when you hit a bad golf shot in a practice round. You throw down a ball immediately and you hit a perfect second. Yeah, one. no, no. It's, yeah. it's, it's a... Second uh, chance golf. Easiest yeah, game in the world. It's a mulligan. It's a mulligan. Yeah. Um, he had a fabulous playoff uh, with Justin Rose. But I don't know whether we should start with that. Whether we should start with Justin Rose or whether we should just talk about Tiger Woods at this point. Who? Um, what? The guy who finished dead last of all the guys who made the cut? Yeah, quite, yeah. Quite a few shots. Well, it was a plus fourteen. Um, it was yeah. it was painful to watch. Uh, I saw the highlights. I was as as everyone knows, I was away, so I didn't see much of it. But I tell you, where I was in Italy, it was constantly on the news cycle. It's <laughs> Tiger still worst round. Italy, Tiger worst it? round. Tiger worst round. Uh, but it just it was it looked. It's just amazing to watch. Not just him, but just any pro yeah. make the mistakes that he made. We had. Bunker to bunker, we had duff shots, we had bad putts, we had, we were way left, we were way right, we were even wayer left. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, you know, these like, weren't just fairway misses by ten yards. Some of them were had to have been sixty or seventy yards offline. And this isn't. And and the thing was, and this is the bit that, and perhaps you can tell me if I'm wrong on this, but from what I could see in the highlights, it wasn't. Say previously, we were just talking about the duff shots, the duff chip shots. It wasn't yeah. the short game. This was everything. Yeah. This was driver. This was long irons. This was short irons. This was bunker shots. These were putters. The short game, like I saw him absolutely duff one on the fringe. Um, I think it was on 18. Yes. And he duffed one and, then, and it went when it came two back and he went again. Well, well, there was, well, that was the, sorry, that was one, one occasion. Yeah. I think on the final round, he ended up on the fringe of 18. He ended up trying to just chip it ends up fluffing it and it ends up a yard in front of him. The whole thing is just, it's not just one bit, which is my worry for Tiger. Now, this week you go yeah. out or two weeks you could go out and you could blister the, the round. But if it was just the driving, he could sort that out. If it was just the chipping, he could sort that. There is a lot of work oh God, that needs yeah. to be done you on know, this you game know right now. We're having a bad round ourselves and you always look for like one redeeming part of your game and you can usually find it like, okay, my driving was off, my irons were off, my bunker game was off today, but I actually put it okay. You know, there's always one redeeming feature. Like you're saying, he, like, on that third round, 85, and possibly a little bit of the fourth round, 74, look, there's very little that he can go, you know, at that part of my game's okay. I don't really have to worry about that too much. He's got to worry about everything at the moment. And it makes you think that it's, it's probably not swing related at this stage. It's, it's mental, really. And that's well, that's what Jack was everything. saying, wasn't it? That that this is clearly between the left ear and the right ear. It's yeah. a mental thing. But I think the interesting point that was made over the coverage that I saw, which was their concern is happy life, happy golfer. Mm. We have the situation, I think this is possibly the first tournament since the relationship went south. Uh, with Lindsay Vaughan. With Lindsay Vaughan. A totally different aspect of perhaps how Rory did it and went out and won in the PG BMW. Yeah, yeah. That, was, but, that was interesting. Well, maybe Tiger got dumped, you know, versus well, Rory did the dumb bit. Well, there is there is talk out there on the on the stratosphere of the internet superhighway that that is mm. what's occurred, um, that he's having a difficulty in, 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 in the private life and that has led him to, to a situation where he's just not in the right place for either practice or otherwise. I saw, I think it was... Um, one of the commentators on Sky on, on Sunday night talking about the fact that as far as he's concerned, if Tiger wants to get back, he's got to start playing. He's got to play tournaments. He's yeah. got to be not afraid of missing cuts, mm -hmm. but going and knocking 300 balls a day 
down the drive driving range doesn't work isn't good enough no. for these guys he needs to be out there playing tour events anybody can and sit there in the range and just knock those balls down the range and, and they're they are all going to hit them well on the range but it's yeah, doing it in the tournament. But it's the mental side yeah. of things. It's it. We all do it in the driving range. Okay. We, we 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 put a drive down and it, it scutters off to the right or off to the left, yeah. and you just put another one down and you hit that one straight and you go, oh, that felt good. Mm-hmm. But it's not consistent. It's mm-hmm. not. You you go out to the golf course and you knock one to the left. You're in the shit. Yeah. And you're gonna have to play out of it. On the driving range, you throw another one down, you hit it, you don't worry about it. Yeah, there's no penalty for a bad shot on the driving range other than, oh, I can fix this, or a mental penalty, like, oh, Jesus, I've got a case of the, of the hooks or the slices today. Or... or you just go home. You just kick the rest of the bucket out, and you just say, do you know what, I'll just hit 50 chips here just yeah. to get rid of the bucket, and I'm going home because I, I, I'm done with this. Yeah, I've done that before. Uh, <laughs> you know, and uh, or you say to the guy next to you, here, there's, there's 20 golf yeah. balls there. But for him, and the bit that I, I just can't get over is that, it's not one aspect at the moment. It's everything. Yeah. And we were talking about Butch earlier. And you just wonder whether or not it's time to bite the bullet. Go and talk to the guy and say, look, hands up. Whatever yeah. happened in the past, it's in the past. And I think Butch is the kind of guy who would just go, I don't care. I think, just come I back think to you're me. Right. I'll sort you out. Yeah. You know, and they were but saying... But Butch has said that on air as well. He goes, look, I would. You know, I'd take him back, you know, absolutely. So, And to me... It's where he feels most comfortable. And I think a guy who would probably put a fatherly arm around him yeah. and say, look, we need to go and just do some stuff here. And uh-huh. we'll do it privately, but you need to go play golf and you need to go and do it. But I, I feel it's... I'm not Tiger's greatest fan. I'm, I'm a fan of what he achieved in the game and I'm a fan of what he did for the game. But the person, not so much. Really. I, I'm, I'm, I'm annoyed about everybody so... Oh, Tiger's so wonderful. But I do find it very hard to watch at the moment a guy playing that badly who was just so good like I, I read a tweet from a guy who uh, was saying um, you know he was a young lad I think he was like 18, 19 and he said I don't remember Tiger being good you know his his best wow. his best era yeah. is before so he used to watch like you know, recordings of when and he's he was like, great yeah and he's like saying you know yeah from 1997 98 through to the, the mid 2000 late 2000s yeah. unbelievable but the question is what has he done in the last five years and you know, if you're a 15 year old kid watching golf right now, you're you're looking at Tiger Woods going, I don't see why everyone. Who is so, this guy? Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I see the trophies on the wall. I see his his list. Mm. But in my opinion, you know, they're not looking at. But him. he's yeah. To them, he's no different than another another of the old golfers like a Jack Nicklaus. I mean, Jack Nicklaus go out and play these tournaments and miss cuts and be all over the place. But you know, his record is still you know sits there. But they don't know any different from seeing what Tiger's doing right now. He had that great 2013 with the five wins, but. Since then, it's been it's been tough, and like I, I don't know, do, does nobody knows what's going on really? Only Tiger does, and maybe he doesn't even know because it's been eight months of this kind of messing around with Chris Como, and he seems to be committing to it, to you know what what the plan is, and you know the the, the Brandel Chamley and Nota Begay were saying like he seems to be committing to the the patterns or whatever they're calling it with Como or the what they're trying to achieve with Como, but it's um. It's messy. Like when you see him swing at like a normal pace, like an eighty percent swing, it's fine, no problems. But once you see him go after a shot, it just seems to unload all sorts of disasters. Maybe he's, maybe it's the distancing. I don't know. Maybe it's it's probably a combination of a hundred thousand different things. Well, I'm going to throw this out here, and we didn't discuss this earlier. So there we go. Good on the spot. 
I read a comment during the week and I forgot to take the name of the person down, but I think it was on the uh, golf.com and they were saying one of Tiger's biggest problems has been that he hit the gym and he tried to become a muscle man. Uh, I think that might have been Brandel Chamley because he was, was it? yeah, uh, he was going on about this and the golf, there's actually, if you go onto the golf channel website himself, note of a gay, literally going at each other for about seven minutes over time. Well, they swing. could have been, it could have been he an extract he changed, from that. He changed his body shape. The whole physique changed. His whole swing had to change because of yeah. it. And this is the point I suppose I'm going to make. Every time I go onto my Facebook feed, every time I'm on the internet, there is another post from Rory McIlroy in the gym, constantly pumping iron. Yeah. At what point does this obsession with being in the gym and getting bigger and bigger muscles and bigger and bigger arms get in the way of the golf? The golf? Yeah. And if if I was if I was somebody in the Rory stable right now, do you not change where you're at? I would be saying to him maintain yeah. what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do not add more to, you know, don't listen to the guy of, oh, if you if you can bench press 150, you'll be knocking another 20 yards on that. Because mm. you look at what Tiger's physique was back in the 90s, late 90s and through the 2000s. And winning by such margins. And now looking at it, now maybe it's because the golf courses are becoming longer and they're all obsessed. Yeah. And it's a bit like, well, if Tiger's doing it, I got to do it. And if Rory's doing it, everybody's hitting the gym. Yeah. But Ernie Els won championships in the not too distant past. He ain't hitting too many gyms now as our Ernie. You know? No, <laughs> like, no, that's true. But it's, it's a good point. You know, I would like, like you said, if I was in Rory's camp, um, definitely it's maintain what you have. I mean, if he goes, he's quite bulked up. You know, if he gets any bulkier, he might lose that kind of fluidity to his swing that that had it. You know, given him so much success. Well, it's just something that I I noted. Yeah. I saw the comment, and no, I just good. thought, you know, that's that's something that you worry about with Rory that he just changes an awful lot and uh, goes to the gym an awful lot. But let's talk about the winner. Yes, because that's I think only fair. It was. Uh, this is good for you. This guy is about your size, your height as well. So he's winning on a pretty. He's pretty a big. Long he's a big course. guy. He <laughs> from left to right. He was. Uh, he's a, he's broad shouldered. He, <laughs> he is. Yeah, he's powerful, and his his follow through stops at his knee. Yeah. On some shots. Um, I have to say, I, I saw most of the playoff. I didn't yeah. get to see a lot of the round. But the, the playoff to me was just some of the most exciting match and proper match play. Yeah, it was great. Like, you know, the, the putt that... Uh, they, they The first hole, he's in the bunker on the right. Justin is on the, the middle of the fairway. Your man cooks it into the thick stuff on the right of the green. Justin Rose, anywhere on the green, my friend. Yeah, anywhere. Yeah. And you're two putting for the win here. And all of a sudden he overcooks it. Puts it over the back. And and I love the, the footage, and I don't know if uh, if you saw, but the footage of Jack sitting in the chair and he just, he was kind of going, oh, that's not good. He mouthed, he mouthed. And I believe it was Justin's, um, Justin Rose's mother was sitting beside him, yeah. which mustn't have made her feel good if, you know, the, guy, the course designer sitting there going, you don't want to be there, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, the chip. The chip was... His chip. And then all of a sudden, the putt by Justin Rose. Like, I'm thinking, two putts from there is good. That's not... Your man has a chance. It's such a slope on that back that back left corner, that green. I mean, you saw the ball almost came in the behind side of the hole from, from where he was standing. It had reminiscence of the Tiger Woods in the Masters, where it just held on the edge nearly yeah, and just yeah. went, Asher, I'll go in. Yeah, why not? <laughs> um, but it was just... It was an incredible... Three, four holes, and it just kept going like mm. that. You know, it's just, just the tr- yeah, the three holes. 
the A-teams, the, the, the two times they played the A-teams was really exciting. And then all of a sudden, for some stupid, crazy, unfathomable reason, they decide, let's go to the 10th. I mean, obviously this is all set out before the tournament, but I don't understand why they do this in tournaments. Like, set it out, maybe go 18-10, 18-10, 18-10, but don't play 18 twice and then fire off to the 10th. You're move, shifting thousands of people. They were all running down in front of the tee box when the guys were having to tee off. They're shooting down towards the green. You lose all that uh, atmosphere of the amphitheatre, of the clubhouse and the crowd surrounding the 18th and Muirfield Village. It was a great finishing hole and mm. a great kind of approach shot to that whole amphitheatre. And it just it baffles me as to why they went and shot off to the 10th. And they finished out in the, you know, heading away from the clubhouse rather than up at the clubhouse. It's just, it's so weird. And, and in my view... And this isn't just this tournament. It's, mm. it's a lot of the American tournaments that do this. It, it, only for TPC Sawgrass, I, I think I, I would just be making them just play on the 17th until there's a winner. Yeah, just yeah. Keep hitting that <laughs> island green until there's a winner. But the 18th, you know, Pebble Beach, all of these places, they're so iconic. They're great finishing holes. But they're also an American golf courses are built for the grandstands. They're built for the corporate tents. Absolutely. And the 18th, in so many, we can think of the likes of Pebble Beach, you can think of the likes of, of Murfield last week. The big grandstands are behind the 18th. Yeah, so play it to the 18th. Just keep playing 18th. Exactly. You know, and, and, and when you've played it twice, sure, play it a third time, play it a fourth time, play it a fifth time. Keep doing you're it. not moving thousands of people. Mm-hmm. And you're also playing into an amphitheatre where the final putt is in front of thousands and thousands of yeah. people. And the presentation can be there. Like, exactly. I, in my view, when it finished on the 10th, I think it fin- finished... So anticlimactic. Yeah, and it, it, it there wasn't the crowd, there wasn't no. the excitement. Like, imagine if you played, you know, if there was a... You know, you just kept playing the 18th at, at Augusta. You know, like, that's that's the whole... Because you've everybody behind. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's brilliant... It's way to do it. I mean, like, like you said, the course is set up for that. I don't understand why they did it. I'd love to... If anybody who was has ever been involved in a European Tour event or a PGA Tour event knows the reasoning behind why they choose playoff holes, we'd love to hear it because this, was he, this, this one's a head-scratcher for was us. Was he the worthy winner or did Justin Rose throw Justin it away? Justin Rose threw it away. Justin had a terrible start to the, the final day. I mean, he was the only one in the top echelons of the leaderboard who didn't break par on the day. So, yes, he had a, he, had a, he battled really well and was very patient and, you know, had a good back nine to get in there. Made an unbelievable par in 18 in regulation. I don't know if you saw this. He, uh, Yes, yeah. Pushed his tee shot into the bunker. And, um, I loved this. Anyway, I'll get to it. Uh, he, Tried to as he and he quoted lean on an eight iron. The ball was below his feet, and he's trying to like draw the eight iron um, to to the back left pin. And he for yeah he he hit it off the as Jack Nicholas said. Did you uh, did you hit that off the socket? And oh, Justin's yeah. like yeah, hit it off the socket. Obviously, the two of them both uh, avoiding the S H A and K word. The shank. The shank. Yeah. Well, some people shudder. I'm sorry. Apologies to anyone who shudders right there. It's uh, it happens. Anyway, I think Rose called it a shank afterwards as well. It was a pure but shank. it was a shank. And <laughs> pinged his fan on the head just a little bit back from his temple. And not, like, this ball was 30, 40 yards wide of the ferry and almost made it back to the ferry. Whereby, where from Rose hit this amazing pitch shot up to about two, three feet and made his par to get into the playoff of Lingworth. So this, this kind of started the drama in 18 and then the two of them continued in the playoff with the Rose draining that 19 footer and Lingworth then having to hold his, I think it was about 11 foot. Yeah. Yeah, and then back to the 18th, and and, yeah. his, and and holding the uh, the 11th footer. Yeah, 
Like that was close. That, that was like, and that went straight in the front door. Like, oh, there yeah, was yeah. there was no just hopeful. Like he knew exactly. Now maybe it's easier when you know you have to make it. Yeah, you just you have to hit straight, it straight. You could see you straighten it. You definitely straighten out the line on that because there was so much more break to that than his ball took on a line. It was it was traveling when it hit, but like. He had to get it. So the interesting thing about Justin Rose and, and hats off to him or gloves off to him in this in this respect <laughs> is that he actually went back to the guy he hit to yes. get the signed glove yeah. after he said to the guy, "Look, I'm I'm in the zone right now. I need to win. You know, I need to do this." So he he just walked off and and he did go back. Now I have to say the guy was still on the ground when he went back. I think he said to him after, like you know, I think he kind of almost gestured to him that like you know, get up to the clubhouse and get some help. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, get get to the get to the medical tent. Um, there was one bad thing actually I must mention and um hopefully hopefully this fan got absolutely reefed out of him pulled oh, out of the tournament this. the guy who sh- Rose is in the bunker a tough bunker like playing downhill down, the green is down sloping away to the water and he's got to play his delicate bunker shot and at the top of his backswing this fan just lets a roar out and anyway, Rose hit it a little bit iffy and it went a bit further than he had planned um, and he was just he was just completely baffled he looked around and couldn't find the fan I think it was on the 14th yeah I saw yeah. a very um, so head scratching moment yeah. by by. can I just say I, I, there's a couple of things I want to say in relation to this tournament I saw a very interesting clip and anybody that hasn't seen it should go on and look at the Jordan Spieth conversation that he has with the caddy about his club selection on the par 3, 12th or 13th, I'm okay. not 100% sure. It, it's a fascinating two or two odd minute clip of the conversation between the caddy and the pro. But the very interesting bit is halfway through, he, ter- he, he was between an 8 iron or a 9 iron or whatever it was, and he actually said to the caddy, I think I might have, I, I think I should go with the 9 because a bit of adrenaline go- is, is kicking in. They were saying you never hear a pro talk about adrenaline kicking in. He knew that he was there to have a chance of winning that tournament. Yeah. And uh, it's just fascinating because you never really hear it, but it's it's well worth anybody will For will, him to will be will that self-aware. Oh, yeah. But also to take into account the adrenaline. I don't think I have ever hit a golf shot, even you know if I've been playing well and I'm coming down 18 and I go, gee, I better take into account adrenaline here. Yeah. You just don't think it, but it's interesting to hear the pro for once say it. We'll get it and we'll tweet it so people can see it. You know, type that down as we do find it. Um, Francesco Molinari had a good week. Um, Mark Leishman, it was a good tournament. Yeah. Um, you think it was Justin Rose to lose? I think that it was just clutch all the way through. Um, Ling, Ling, for, look, got to give credit Ling. to Lingworth. He was brilliant down the stretch on Sunday. Everybody was expecting him to capitulate and he didn't. He just kept going and going and going and uh, did what he had to do and, you know, pulled out three pars on, you know, the two pars in the 18th and one in the 10th, three very, very difficult golf holes and, you know, deserved winner in the playoff, I think. Yeah, look, and that was, I suppose, the week that it was. Um, it's in the history books now, so we move on and uh, we look at uh, next week's tournaments and the LPGA Tour, excuse me, is uh, heading to the KPMG Women's PGA Championship and that's at Westchester Golf Club in Harrison in New York and... Uh, Inby Park uh, defends, double defends, winning this event the last two years. Jeez, Inby Park just seems to win everything. Lisa, I know, you know, she's very greedy. Uh, and uh, is that a major? Is that a It is a major, major? yes, it's indeed. A yeah, it's, a, it's a week of two majors. Yeah. It, leading into next week with another major for the main tour. Well, I suppose because it's a major week, we, we've, we've added the seniors tour um, 
which is the Senior Players Championship at the Belmont Golf Club in Boston, Massachusetts. And uh, another greedy player who always seems to be winning these things is uh, Bernard Langer defends the title he won in the playoff last year um, at Fox Chapel. And uh, I suppose really the story is can Monty keep on going? Can he be uh, keep pushing Rory McIlroy in the majors count? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I think it's uh, it's it's great. And uh, you have a note here, Barry, and I think it's probably worth to note that uh, Kenny Perry uh, said goodbye to the PGA Tour at the Memorial and is fully committed to the Seniors yeah, Tour from now on. He's going to be himself, Monty, and Bernard Langer are joint favourites at eight to one. So. That you know that that shows exactly where the state of the seniors tour is and the bookies' thoughts on the event. They can't separate the three of them. Well, if uh, if if your suggestion for the swing, the link swing, is getting repetitive, my idea of a seniors uh, rider cup, I just think it would be amazing yeah, to see these guys. Brilliant. Like you know, they're 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 not past it by any stretch, and they're great to watch. The European Tour goes uh, to the Leoness Open, powered by Greenfinity, whoever Greenfinity are. I'm Congratulations to them. Um, and this is down in Austria. Um, Come on, whereabouts in Austria, James? Well, it's the Diamond Golf Club. Uh, Otzenburg. Yeah, Berg. nailed it. Ah, I don't know go. otherwise. <laughs> uh, that's, uh, that's, that's good. I should probably do these phonetically from now on. Um, who defends here? L- Lundenberg defends. Uh, hold a 40-footer to defeat uh, Westberger in the playoff last year. Barry, have you had a look at this? What's the kind of course? We're talking 7,400-odd yards. Yeah, so it's a long enough course, but at the, I'm hearing bits and pieces. Like it doesn't really favour the Bombers despite its length. A lot of the pros in the preview videos I've seen have said that it's a course you've got to plot your way around and plan your way to victory. An Ian Woosnam-esque course. Um, sure, yeah. <laughs> he, he was always a, 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 the, 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 the plotter. I tell you what, Francesco Molinari plotted his way beautifully around Murfield last week. I think he had... 18 fairways in a row at one stage or 16 or 18 fairways in a row um, unfortunately that that putter kind of let him down toward, down the stretch and just uh, a little, little bit squirrely when the, the pressure really gets on Sunday afternoons but anyway we go and through is he playing this week? Molinari uh, no he won't be no it's, it's quite a week of week event this week in terms of European tour strength it's our so, usual second tier Kind of. So anyway, Bernd Wiesberger, the uh, you know, Austrian, is the favourite of five to one. Chris Wood is twelve to one. Ramsey sixteens. Carrera Berrio, Wattel are twenty to one. Gregory Bordy's twenty two. As is Max Kiefer and Nicholas Kaltzert, who's been showing a little bit of form recently. Tyrrell Hatton, who played very well in the Irish Open last week, is twenty five to one. Julian Kane is thirty to one, and the rest are forty to one and out. And the names, quality names, goes down a little bit outside of that as well. Are you going to have a punt on this? Or are you going to save all your money for Henrik Stenson to take it off you again? Yeah, I think I might... Do you know what? I might put a little sneaky bet on Matteo Manassero. He's been showing a little bit of uh, form recently. He can plot his way around golf courses. He did it at Wentworth when he won the PGA Championship. So um, I might put a little sneaky... Or try build a, a big pot for next week to lump it all on Stenson or somebody else. Well, I wasn't here, but you you must have a few pounds left from that big win a few weeks ago. But The Ricky Fowler one, the Ricky yeah. Fowler I'll, ever, one. I'll forever be grateful to Ricky for that <laughs> yeah, win yeah, the PGA you Championship. Uh, you're going to start wearing Puma gear now and bright orange hats. Exactly. Um, also, if you could grow your eyebrows a bit like him, that would suit. <laughs> it's a miracle grow on the eyebrows. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. a couple of slugs up there. Um, in relation to the PGA Tour, we move, I suppose, to, like always, the 
the week that nobody wants to win, uh, mm-hmm. the week before the major, but it is the FedEx St. Jude Classic in the TPC Southwind in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, ben Crane is defending. It's 7,244 yards par 70. 70. Barry, will I do the runners and riders this week first and then give an outline of the course? Oh, go for it, yeah. Uh, Dustin Johnson, 5-1. to one. Ryan Palmer, 14-1. to one. Phil Nicholson, 14-1. to one. Webb Simpson, 18-1. to one. Billy Horschel, 18-1. to one. Harris English, 22-1. to one. Uh, Brooks Kupke, uh, 22-1. to one. Jamie Donaldson twenty eight to one, Luke Donald thirty to one, Graham McDowell thirty to one, um, and then we kind of go out from there. This, yeah. the kind of the Brendan DeJongs of the world down at sixties, and uh, will he ever win on the PGA Tour? <laughs> well, Pork there, I suppose. Uh, Pork is eighty to one, and Ben Crane. If you're interested in a double backing of him, he's a hundred to one at the moment. Looks good now, and it will look even better if he wins. Absolutely. Uh, so to quote from the website, actually, do you know what, Branson Edgar, when the pros did, they uh, they get asked about the courses every year on the PJ Tour, and this one actually apparently ranks quite highly in the, the list of courses that the pros really like to play, and they all kind of lament the fact that it's the week before the US Open, because it's a re- more of them would probably play it because it's a nice mm. course. And Snedeker said Memphis TBC Southwind is a great golf course, but it's the week before the US Open. So that, that shows why the field strength might not quite be the, the strongest for a PGA Tour event. It certainly isn't. Uh, and I'd say a lot of the guys are sneaking off to Chambers Bay for some early practice rounds and really getting ready for that. To, to quote the website, it sounds lovely, this does. Undulating Zoja fairways, champion Bermuda greens, and numerous lakes, streams, and ponds Adding to the charm of the golf course are two grain silos and a windmill, remnants of the dairy farm once located on the site. And it will look lovely if you... Uh, I'm going to watch this with a uh, couple of bourbons in my hand, I think. I think it would be rude not to. I think it would be. Yeah. Uh, who do you like? Who do you not like? And are you going to put a bet on? Uh, do you know what? Luke Donald qualified from the US Open sectional qualifying for the US Open. Um, so he's playing all right. And... Course is not too long for him. He's been showing a little bit of says an awful lot about where Luke Donald's game's at when he's having to qualify for the US Open. The funny thing is about the US Open, it's one of the hardest tournaments in the world to actually qualify for because nearly half the spots or thereabouts, half the spots actually go to qualifiers rather than, you know, being to playing in qualifiers to get into it rather than being automatically eligible from like your world ranking or Mm. your position in the FedEx Cup standings or the European Tour Race to Dubai standings. You need, to, you need to have some pretty high recent achievements on your CV to just automatically be eligible for the tournament. Otherwise, you have to go through brutal stages of qualifying to get there. And they had the qualifying on Monday with a, a load of a load of players qualifying. I'm not, I'm not even going to go near reading them all off. There were many, many spots all over the states in multiple venues. Uh, but yeah, Donald was one that poked his, his head up. And, and quite a lot of the, the names you would expect actually did make it through. A few missed, but... You know that's golf. You can't. They can't all get get in there. So he'll just have to try harder next. He will. Yeah. So he's, didn't get in. he's thirty to one. You know, you know, playing playing well. Um, Tony Finnow is not playing, is he? Yes. He he got a spot himself. He's a bit of a. He hits the ball a long way, so he could be um, sneaky one, sneaky outside bet, or maybe a top twenty in Chambers Bay. He's a long way. Puts quite well. So well. Uh, sorry. Won't, won't worry for next we're, week. We're, I was going to say the, the question that I've asked you yeah. is: Are you who are you backing well, I was for back, this week? I was going to back Fina, but I would have to check down the field see if he was there. So no, Luke Donald. I'm going to put maybe put a double on Donald and Monacero just 
a little small bet. Go, go crazy. Try, try, try go win big. Crazy. Um, I suppose, look, um, I've been slightly out of the loop, so I'm not going to be probably having any bets. I have been staying away <laughs> Sunday completely. Sunday night, you will definitely be like, oh, yeah, I just put a bet and running on, blah, blah. Yeah, well, I haven't done it for quite a while, and yeah. um, I think I'll probably come back to it now. Uh, I kind of go in and out of these things. But um, probably more interesting is next week, next Tuesday, we'll be talking to uh, Steve Bamford, um, and he's going to give us his lowdown um, in relation to the US Open. Um, For those of you who don't know who Steve Bamford is, he's from golfbettingsystem.co.uk and they do an awful amount of kick-ass stats and um, predictions for tournaments and there's load great, great information on their website to help you kind of pick your fantasy teams or pick your golfers you want to put a punt on. And they're um, on Facebook and Twitter Facebook, and all those Twitter, bits. yeah, and we'll, we'll give all those details next week. But I love talking to Steve and he's, he's just so passionate about the game. And he always has great logic and, and you know stats to back up his picks, and you know he's never never far wrong himself and Paul Williams, the two of them there. Uh, absolutely, and uh, get onto it for this week's picks because uh, Barry hasn't been particularly helpful with his one. So yeah. uh, let's see if <laughs> Steve Bamford uh, and Paul have anything better than that. Um, I suppose that just leaves me to say thank you, Barry. Welcome um, back, James. Thank you very much. Great to be uh, back. Thank you to the listeners. If you want to get in contact with us, uh, Twitter handle is at PodcastGTS. That's at PodcastGTS. Not what I said earlier, but definitely at PodcastGTS. Uh, email us at a good talk spoiled at gmail.com. Get onto iTunes if you can. Give us a rating and try and push us up as high as possible. Review and tell all your friends. And just keep saying it to everybody. And I'm thankful I'm back. And uh, mm-hmm. hope I didn't bore you all too much. And uh, we'll see you again next week. Bye-bye, man. Well, you're fine. Bye-bye.